0: what's new and happening from leaders in the community learn the ins and outs of advocacy events and activations get involved make an impact and do something that adds value in your life ahf is the world's largest hiv aids service organization operating in 45 countries globally 16 states domestically including dc and puerto rico our mission is to provide cutting-edge medicine and advocacy regardless of ability to pay Hello, and welcome to the After Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hogan, serving as your liaison to take you on a journey to learn more about AIDS Healthcare Foundation. Our topic for today is learn, lead, act. Before we start the show, please make sure to remember to check out the show notes so you can follow along. Now, let's get started. So hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the After Hours Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lauren Hogan, and we have a very special episode today. We are discussing youth advocacy, and we've got some youth advocates with us, Aiden, Gabby, and Cameron. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for letting us be here. <laughs> so really quickly, can you just tell us your ages and what grade level you're in in school?
1: Uh, hi, Aiden, 15. And uh, I am in sophomore year, 10th grade.
2: I'm Gabby. I'm 10 years old and I'm in fourth grade at the moment.
3: Hi, I'm Cameron and I'm going into my freshman year of high
2: school.
0: Wow. Okay. So you guys are the kids of some of our AHF employees and a lot of what your parents do is around advocacy for this organization. So... Just to start off, what does advocacy mean to you guys? Aiden, let's start with you.
1: Advocacy means to me personally um, not talking for other people, but rather saying what you believe to be true when others might talk against you. Not speaking over people, but rather speaking up in general just to help. To do a good thing. Okay,
2: Gabby, I feel like advocacy is basically um, speaking out to, for a whole group of people. So, like, basically, like for a random example, like the LGBTQ community, like, or like the Florida's Don't Say Gay bill. Um, A whole group of people were coming to protest. Cameron.
3: Advocacy for me is simply just standing up for what you believe in and not letting anyone disable or break down your own beliefs. Okay.
0: so flashback time. What is the first memory you guys have of your parent dragging you to an AHF advocacy event? Aiden, I know you've been to a million. So just what's the first one that you can remember?
1: (sighs) (laughs) Uh, The reason why this is so hard is because my mom's been bringing me to the office literally almost like three days after I was born. So I've been to many, as you said. I guess some of the first I remember were the parades. The pride parades. My mom took me to uh, floats that we would um, floats that I would, you know, see being made, you know, parts and stuff around the office. Then, when the parade actually happened, um, we had tents and other kind of stuff set up there. My mom was doing well what she does best, advocacy and such. And uh, I specifically remember being on the float that day. So I think that's the earliest I was probably somewhere around eight or nine.
0: And Gabby, you're 10, so what was the first prote- or um, advocacy event, rather, that you remember?
2: I don't really remember it that much, but the only thing that I remember was this one parade. So a pride parade for you, too. I'm pretty sure it was. Cameron, what about you?
3: So the first, it was actually a protest, I think. The uh-huh. first advocacy event I was dragged into. Um, it was <laughs> during the sort of Decline, if you want to say, of the pandemic, where we drove to some building, I don't know what building it was, and we walked around there encouraging people to get the vaccine because that at that time that was our main goal.
2: Okay.
0: So, from your perspectives, what do you guys think are the top three most important advocacy issues at this point in time in this country? Aiden
1: in this country at the current moment it
0: can be anything it could be political it could be social economical anything
1: at this point i believe it's um abortion <laughs> very nice um lgbtq rights as in stuff like trans healthcare, especially when it comes to trans issues and um i think third one that is also very important because it encompasses a lot of other problems, is like healthcare in general, right? Healthcare for all and stuff like that. Yeah.
2: Okay. Gabby? Um, I'm going to have to say homophobia, racism, and transphobia. The homophobia is for the Florida's Don't Say Gay bill. The racism is for George Floyd's death. And the transphobia is for many people being killed just for being trans. Cameron?
3: I'm going to piggyback off of Peyton's top two for their abortion and LGBTQ rights, and just to have a third one, I'd probably say third is just racism all around because being oppressed by the color of your skin tone or where you were born is still a real thing that needs to be addressed.
2: Okay,
0: what do you guys think that the older generation should be doing to help get the youth involved in advocacy more? Cameron, we can start with you this time.
3: I think the older generations can take us back and talk about what life was like when we weren't even here and how people in some places they could be as free as they want and like who they want marry who they can marry and some places where they just couldn't be their true selves at all and i think maybe we can have them speak up and talk about their stories more
2: gabby i think about possibly trying to make like Maybe shows or cartoons about famous advocates such as Malala Yousafzai, Gandhi, and Martha Luther King. Okay, you're the creative in the group. Got it,
0: <laughs> Aiden.
1: Uh-huh. I'm gonna kind of mirror what Cameron said and say that like the best way I think is to show the younger audience, you know, exactly what it was like in the past because a lot of kids in a lot of situations when it comes to problems with them like today, a lot of younger people don't know. A lot of like LGBT teens don't really know about like the AIDS epidemic and stuff relating to that. A lot of people Black people, younger Black people don't really know what stuff like rioting was like when Rodney King was beaten. People can't understand what things were like in the past if we don't teach them and we don't teach them because we don't teach these things these topics in schools usually so the older generation can help by talking to us and showing us media and other things that you know tell us what that's like because then we have something to contrast what now is like with then and then that enact that Makes people want to do things because they see the past and the present and they go, well, not much changed. And they go, I'm going to help change it.
0: So saying in that vein, how do you guys feel at this point in time in this country? You know, to your point, Aiden, you were saying you don't know. lot of the past of what's happened but in you guys' lifespan you've experienced so much already whether it's gun violence or recently the overturning of Roe versus Wade for women there's just so much trauma that you guys have already seen with and it's not even been 20 years of your lives yet so how do you guys feel just every day being people of color in this country
1: I feel like every day um In the worst kind of ways, I am experiencing history, right? I don't really want that. Like, I feel like every day I wake up and I see, like, oh, no, another, you know, Black person has been killed, you know, and everyone recorded it. Or, oh, no, more rights are being restricted or taken away. And I know this is going to be in a book when I'm older, right? But I hate that. I don't want things that I'm experiencing right now to be in a book. I don't want to go through historical um, overturnings of laws or, you know, giant pandemics. I want things to be calm. And then from there, when things are calm, we can make things better, right? But that's not what's happening right now. It feels like Every other day, something tragic is happening, and that sucks. I hate, you know, understanding the fact that if I look on my phone right now, I am I can see, like, another black man being murdered. And while this is desensitizing, like, I, I can't feel something like that. I can't—it hurts, but it's become normal to me at this point. It's not normal, and it's going to be in history. I don't like that feeling, and I— feel like that's how i feel a lot of the time
2: how what i how it feels is that i sometimes uh, think that i don't want to experience what i had when i was seven when i was discriminated for um, being black or having curly hair because it, it just made me feel really left out i'm gonna
0: come back to that gabby go ahead cameron
3: when I wake up every day, I just want to be able to walk outside and know that I'm not looked down upon or looked differently just because of the color of my skin I was born with. And even like with Aiden said, in the midst of the pandemic, I don't want to wake up and check my phone like in February, see stuff like people getting mad over Black Lives Matter protests or something like that.
0: So, Gabby, you're only 10 and you already said that you've been discriminated against. So what happened, one, and how did you handle it? And how did it make you feel?
2: So back when, I, so back in first grade, I really wanted to play with these kids at base, at basically they were doing this mini club. I said, Hey, can I join? And they said, no, because you have dry colored skin. And it felt like a really big impact. So, what I did was um, first tell my mother, who then told, I'm pretty sure, the principal. And then we um, had this session with the school counselor on what happened. And basically, it felt like I was trying to fight a, a war.
0: And do you think that that's impacted your views on the world since then? At some parts of the world. Okay. So, additionally, Aiden, have you ever experienced discrimination? And if you have, how did that make you feel and how did you handle it?
1: Me personally, I haven't experienced at any at all, but I know my friends have, and that hurts, right? I haven't I've been lucky enough to not experience it, but I have a lot of LGBT or, you know, other black friends or other kinds of minorities, and it sucks. Like, literally, just last school year, um, one of my friends, right, he, uh, some random kid behind him, like, took a photo of him and, like, put a bunch of swastikas and other awful stuff around his like face and just sent it to a group chat and the only way he found out that this kid did it is because one of the kids in the group chat snitched and told the teacher like it i've been lucky enough to avoid it but it hurts seeing the other people around me have to deal with that like sometimes constantly sometimes from people they know like relatives Mm
0: -hmm. cameron what about you
3: I'm basically in the same boat with Aiden. I haven't thankfully haven't been exposed to discrimination at all. But I know of in my last school year there have been plenty of like racist anti-Semitic jokes about obviously the Holocaust and even things like George Floyd. I can't even believe that people would even joke about George Floyd like that. And thankfully I haven't been on the recipient end of those jokes that I know of, but it just sickens me that people actually have the animosity towards these groups of people.
0: So staying in the vein of discrimination, how do you guys feel about don't say gay laws and Aiden, you're in Ohio. So you're in a very red state and some of these laws have already been passed through legislation. So um, how do you feel about it?
1: It's crazy. We think about laws in a bubble, right? Like, we think about laws as, like, this thing separate to our everyday life. Because we're not criminals. We're not going to do a crime. Why would we need to be constantly concerned with, like, what laws are there and not? If, like, I'm going to just go outside and get some milk and go back home today and I'm not going to become a murderer suddenly... I mean, it would be weird to just think about that all the time, right? At least that's how I feel most people feel, right? But with a lot of discriminative laws coming out, right? Especially the Don't Say Gay bill and other bills. I shouldn't say bill because there are many, you know. But when it comes to stuff like that, it's, it's even more crazy, right? Because now it's like, okay, well, now people have to think about the law when they're not doing anything right it's like um it's like if something you did casually every day or just something that was a part of you, like a if wearing red could get you charged with manslaughter, right now that's absurd, of course, doing something as you know mundane and simple as just wearing red outside it's just like it's 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 fine there's nothing wrong with it but since there are laws that say you can't wear red or you will be charged with manslaughter now just going outside wearing what you want to wear or being around certain kinds of people makes you kind of nervous and that sucks because now People around me are, you know, dressing in blue every day and are nervous around people who are red. And now I have to be, like, nervous for my friends who are around me in places because people might see that they might be wearing red and might, you know, get upset and start calling them a murderer and stuff. But they don't, but they're just wearing red. They shouldn't have to be concerned about laws that people they barely know in, you know, uh, you know, places of power and, you know, um, government offices. They shouldn't have to be concerned with laws like this. And the fact that they're getting passed makes me and them way more nervous. It's crazy.
0: I think that's beautiful that you use that analogy. It reminds me of a student in Florida who gave a graduation speech um, about he was gay But didn't say the word Because the legislation had been passed He talked about his curly hair instead So that was a beautiful analogy that you gave um, Gabby what do you think Because you started already talking about Florida And don't say gay law So how do you feel about them
2: I, f- I feel like that It's like a really unfair Thing to happen to some kids Because Say like If they want to talk to A teacher thinking that they might be gay, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, they won't be able to because of the don't say gay bill.
0: And overall, how do you think that that's going to be? Do you think it's going to be detrimental to kids like with mental on the mental health side of things? How do you think it's going to affect kids?
2: I feel like it's gonna break a huge impact on them in the near future because then they won't think uh, that gay rights are good, or maybe think that they'll be treated differently for just for being gay. Cameron, what about you?
3: I myself am not like hugely educated on the gay. Don't say gay bill. But from what I've gathered, since we basically can't say gay, we're we're going back in time before we even had freedom of speech. And just from my perspective, and I hope from everyone else's perspective, that's just ridiculous. Absurd.
0: So you guys are all in school right now. With all that's happening in um, America right now regarding gun violence and school shootings, how do you guys feel about being a student at this point in time and having to go into a classroom?
1: I remember um, being in, I think it was third grade. I remember vividly the the classroom setup we changed the tables all the time, but there was always this um, on the wall, this little, uh, it was like a mini table protruding from the wall it was like where the closets were and then you just had a long stretch of space where very small third graders could fit under when we had those drills right i remember vividly kids like shuffling into that area and we all you know snuggling up tight close to each other and when the teacher would jiggle the door everybody would kind of whimper in shock but then the teacher would shush us and we all went dead silent And then we just had to go back to cuddle or coloring. Like that was, that was just how it worked, right? You just experienced something insane and then you just kind of go back to learning your multiplication tables. And then at some point, right, kids just grew up and stopped caring. We would make, you know, dumb makeshift toys out of like office supplies to, you know, throw at the shooter who was just a principal shaking the door. But I think at some point, right, all of us just kind of knew in the back of like, literally, I cannot remember a time where I haven't walked into an area and like casually noted all the exits. Right now, if a shooter walks in, I know exactly where to go in order to leave in time I know exactly where I could hide if I needed to. I know what I could use as a weapon, which is good, but it shouldn't be necessary. I remember... Last anecdote, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) I remember one time in a science class. This had to have been um, eighth grade, right before I entered high school. Um, There was... We were just, you know, learning about school stuff, right? Right? and there was a loud bang downstairs, and all the lights went down. Now, people weren't very concerned with this, especially because the class was in a more lighthearted mood talking about subjects that weren't very heavy, but no one talked. The teacher was smiling, kids were still giggling after the joke he just made, but no one really talked. We all kind of held our breath because we were waiting for the next one, the next loud sound, and then the noise from the speaker, you know, lockdown, lockdown, and then the rushing out of the halls, and then the TV cameras, and then realizing our best friends or our family members are gone, and then the news, and then we move to a new school, and then whatever. But that never came. The lights just turned on after five minutes, and we just kind of pretended that didn't happen. I think that is how I operate now. I just
0: expected
2: gabby yeah, how do you feel about it like it makes me feel like sometimes when i wake up i think that uh, that like any moment uh, someone could shoot could like shoot a teacher or principal or the principal sets said in the past to uh, before I came to that school, there was a school shooting, which then I was thinking, which we do not talk about, but it just made me feel like something's going to happen. And that Texas shooting and another shooting that I heard on the news, it just made me, like, tr- um trick or something of me to make me feel safe and when we had that lockdown drill i felt felt like i was about to have like an anxiety attack so
0: just so i'm clear the first part of what you said have you experienced a school shooting
2: i have never it just happened before i went to that school it happened before you started attending the school you're in now
0: okay cameron how do you feel about uh, gun violence
3: in schools So I have another anecdote like Aiden had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was second grade. We had our typical lockdown drill. We were all sitting underneath tables, underneath the big projector our teacher had. And then there were windows, like, peeking over bookshelves, where we can see outside. And then we saw and heard, like, a man walking. And then as typical second graders thinking it's a lockdown drill, that man is dangerous. We all just start bawling. And then after, we realized it was just a construction worker, but that fear that has been implanted in us just triggered waterworks. And even in present day, eighth grade, it was before I even graduated, the Texas shooting and the Buffalo shooting. I know it was the last days of school, and like the positive side of graduating, moving on to high school, kind of outweighed the negative of having the dangers of having the school shut up, even that it's still terrifying.
0: So Gabby, I'm going to come to you now. What do you feel the government or even your local elected officials should be doing to ensure your safety while you're at school?
2: Possibly trying to uh, maybe like install um, help, like um many crawl space for us to, like, find, like, a safe area, like, to find safety, <sighs> or just maybe, uh, try to have the school, with um, have, like, a security code on it so it won't ever happen again. So like
0: access can't be breached because there's a security system or if there's a specific like basement or something you guys can go into to ensure you're safe until the threat's over. Aiden, what do you think?
1: Uh, In contrast to Gabby, I've always had this thought in the back of my head. There is no this is not to distress you. There is no security system that someone is in the school every day cannot breach because shooters and this was taught to me back when I was hiding under that crawl space in third grade we thought like a shooter might be like some random guy in a black mask which happens sometimes but not most of the time it's not some random mysterious man in a black mask it's some guy who is in the school, right, who knows where people hide or go whenever drills happen, who knows that the policeman is standing right there at lunchtime and knows to go for him first, who knows that even though they have clear book bags installed, they don't check their lunch boxes, who knows how to get around the metal detectors to know which kids um, can provide him the weapon he may seek. There's no way to... Install a security measure inside of a school that protects all the kids inside and keeps the shooter who is also inside out unless if you want to you know now give every child in a school a pat down which I think at that point we're not schools anymore we're doing TSA checks for prisons like so what I think I think we need to do The focus should be on the guns. I don't even really believe in taking the entire... I don't believe that we should take all guns away. I believe what should happen is that there needs to be more legislation on um, uh, assault-style weapons, which is good. But even then, those aren't really what are used in shootings. It's handguns. So we should also work on those, too. We need to make sure that there is a... probably attacks on ammo so that way people can't get it as easily we have to make sure that there are more gun checks at like gun shows so that way kids can't just walk into them and get guns which isn't happening all the time but still needs to be completely like not possible and we need to take a step back and realize that the problem is not kids can't escape fast enough it's that Guns are too easy to get. So. Cameron? So Aiden happened to steal my entire answer. <laughs> Apologies.
3: <laughs> but one addition I can make is that maybe just possibly is a dream in my head that schools or even the government as a whole could implement a law is that the teachers, if they are obviously of legal age, have a gun license and all the other stuff on the gun. If you want to, for the safety of your students, you may bring a gun to your school, not like an assault site weapon, like a little handgun that you can just.
0: So you think teachers should bear arms?
3: If they want to.
0: Okay.
3: Protect their students if they want to.
0: Okay. So last question I'm gonna ask you guys, and it's a bit of a heavier one, but I think it's important to hear your perspectives. Um, How do you feel about police in this country? do you trust them when you see police officers do you get nervous um I know as black men and I don't you know I don't know how you guys identify per se so I I apologize in advance but being you're not even black men I really you guys are black boys because I feel like you guys are you know expected to grow up a lot sooner in this country but how do you guys feel and you as well Gabby when you see police officers Gabby I'll start with you
2: Uh, Well, I work for this thing called Safety Patrol, and most of the times, the officers are normally um, really nice, and my uncle, who is also Black, is a police officer. So, so far, I just feel um, that some police officers could, like, um, keep us safe, but then I also remember—but then I sometimes think of them— um like like some police officers um doing like um an attack at a random house, mm-hmm. but most of the time I feel safe around them, okay Cameron
3: like there's not like a set opinion I have on cops as a whole, like are there corrupt cops who wake up every day every day thinking that I have the ability to Persecute and oppress someone of color. Yes, there are corrupt cops like that, but also good cops who don't care what color skin people are and just judge them by what felonies or what crimes they have done. Yes, but not all cops are per se. I I forgot his name, the one who murdered George Floyd.
0: We're not going to say his name and give him any credence here. So, yes, go ahead.
3: But... It's also that I'm going to call it the black instinct that I have is that if I see a police officer, like, abide by what they say because they have the gun, I don't.
0: Aiden.
1: When it comes to police officers. How do I say this? This is a very strong opinion.
0: And I know you did a beautiful project about it, too. So that's why I'm actually coming to you last.
1: I fundamentally cannot trust police officers. I'm sorry, I can't. Actually, I shouldn't entirely be sorry, because when it comes to trusting the police, I can't tell. There's all this talk about good apples and bad apples. You know, there's just a couple of bad apples. Most of them are good. But I cannot trust that when I'm in a situation where I need the police. I kind of can't. Because I mean, if people have used this example before, but if there's a bowl of M &;Ms and uh, there's a hundred of them in this bowl, and about ten to twenty of them are filled with cyanide, you wouldn't, you wouldn't dare just I, I can't do that. I can't eat from that bowl. What I mean by that is Right, is that when it comes to police, I am always as calm as I can be. They smile at me, I smile back. I try to be as friendly and polite as I can, but I don't think I could ever like. I can't still entirely trust you. Like, okay, let's say um, I know we're, this is kind of mixed in with the whole shooting conversation, right? But can we talk about the shooting in Uvalde? where the police didn't go in initially. They knew the shooter was in there, right? But they didn't move in immediately. Now, there are a hundred different statements from the police, the outsiders, this, that, and the other. So I can't give a definitive opinion on what all of them were thinking or what all of them were trying to do. But I think, in my opinion, it shows that in some part, when they talk about how they didn't, How some of the police officers didn't go in because they feared that he might have the shooter might have body armor and they were scared for their lives. It's like, okay, but you're supposed to, you know, lay down your life for the sake of protecting people. And it makes me nervous in other situations because it's like, okay, well, if fear can dictate exactly how much you can put into protecting people how can i trust you so then now it's not even a discussion of who's a bad apple or who's a good apple but it's like okay who are the cops who are going to lay down their lives for me and then the ones who would probably you know do awful things to me and then the ones who might you know be slow or not in or, you know, not entirely there and trying to help me for reasons of fear or otherwise. And it's like, there's so much of a spectrum here. And a lot of it is not good. So I don't really feel entirely comfortable around the police. Because it's a mixed bag. And a lot of the bag is, well, it's not great. So, Yeah
0: so on that note i have one final question for you guys it's really easy yes or no um do you hope do you have hope excuse me for this country just yes or no
1: yeah
0: do you have hope for this country yes do you have hope for this country i do yes i think that's a beautiful note to end on because you guys are our future and if you guys don't have hope i don't know where we'd be going So thank you guys for joining. This was a beautiful episode. Thank you for being so honest and transparent and expressing your thoughts. I know a lot of people are going to appreciate your transparency. So thank you guys for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please subscribe, share it with your friends, like post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. Follow us on Instagram at After Hours and see you next time.